turn that into podcasts. I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. What a hit! Back of the net. Hello and welcome to the Not Upon a Podcast. I'm Killian Ginnity and I'm delighted to be joined as always by Connor Glennon and Nathan Byrne. But before I let the lads even speak, we are going to be covering the Super League. And if you haven't listened back to our episode from a couple of weeks ago, our 5-5, five and five, which explains kind of the initial reaction to the Super League being back, I highly recommend you listen to it. But, gentlemen, the Super League, what's your initial thoughts? Fear? Foe, fandom, what are you thinking? I'm going to throw it to Nate first. I mean, as 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 a, as a Newcastle fan, we weren't even considered in the OG version of of the Super League. So, Nate, I'll let I'll let you go first on this one. As as one of the great clubs that was considered, um, <laughs> you know, when it originally came out, I was one of the get it out, get it gone, get it, yeah, gone, but. I must say, over the last couple of months, and probably since it went away, once you start reading into things and start listening to other people's probably more like opinion stuff about it that isn't just outrage, it's like it does have benefits in my opinion, and it also does have downfalls to the game. Um, so I think going into this episode, I'll very much be on the fence, and I think I'll be very <laughs> much, um able to answer that question at the end whether I'm for or against it so I'm looking forward to that I think well, from my, my end of things anyway is uh, I will I would be lying if I said that the new format which I'm sure we'll, we'll get into uh, shortly is definitely a better version of of I'm against the Super League from from the outside but I will say this kind of current guise of it is is definitely much better better than than um the original version with the likes of of possible relegations and, and different stratospheres to the, to the leagues well for those that either aren't acquainted or haven't really properly kept up or just can't keep all the info in their brains here's your little super league cheat sheet so the initial version was going to be 20 teams going against each other in europe 15 of them couldn't could never be relegated and the other ones could be promoted to it or whatever which was fine and dandy and shook the football world to its very very core and Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher spat out feathers that's absolutely fine then the fans reacted and there was a big big pushback with even a protest at Chelsea until the point that all the clubs just dropped out that had signed up and that includes Man United Chelsea Liverpool uh Arsenal, um, even some of the big European ones, but the only ones remaining at the end being Juventus, Barcelona, and Real Madrid, with Florentino Perez being a, a major f- a figure in, in the whole idea. And him constantly kind of been pushing that idea ever since the Galactical days. So then that all went away, and UEFA and FIFA both cracked down on it to the point that the Super League took a case against them in the European Court of Justice, which they won, which basically... No, was no the... one saw that coming. Uh, I don't think it was un- unseen. I think it was unliked. I think most people didn't want to think that it was going to happen. But basically, yeah. the reason why they won it is because FIFA and UEFA were trying to monopolize the industry, which nobody likes that. 
Um, so before this came out, and then it was reaffirmed when the court the court's decision came out. Um, there was a new format for the Super League, uh, with A22 being the company behind it. So in this proposed way of doing things, nothing's signed off yet because it's everything is still up in the air. But what's being proposed now is both men and women's leagues with a league structure of 64 male teams um, participating in three tiers, the Star League, the Gold League and the Blue League, which each tier being split. So there'd be two groups of eight in both the Star League and the Gold League, and then four groups of eight in the Blue League. So then they would go against each other, and it basically would end up with clubs playing home and away matches in their groups, resulting in a minimum of 14 matches per year uh, in the European stage, taking place from about September to April um, in the midweek. So what they're kind of doing is oh, we're not competing with um, your domestic leagues, but what they are doing directly is competing with the Champions League. And this is where UEFA are having their big issue. But interestingly, lads, the 14 games that they're saying is a guarantee is more than what Real Madrid played in their Champions League run when they won it. Wow, that's interesting now. One of the key points that they had said in their launch, uh, of their relaunch, was that they wanted to put players and player health first and foremost. And I don't think that necessarily kind of reads that way. But going forward, that um, four, the top four teams in each group for the star in the gold league would then qualify for knockouts. And then it would be a quarterfinal uh, and so on until until the final. The winner in of the final in each tier will be crowned champion of either the Star League, the Gold League, or the Blue League. And then there'd be rege- relegation and promotion p- between each of them. On the face of it, it kind of just very much sounds like the uh, Nations League for Europe. Which, which no one uh, understands. <laughs> well, I think exactly. interestingly, it also correlates with the new Champions League. The, mm. the structure's... Now, like they're very similar in my opinion. What the new Champions League? It's you play eight games in the group stage, and then I imagine it's another three or four in the knockouts. So, like the numbers aren't far off each other. Um, but I think it's just like what it's it's like choose your poison. It's like do you put your trust in the Super League or do you put your trust in the UEFA? So I think it's it's either way on on which one you you you. See that, and I, th- I think you're right with that, Nate, because. You said in, on the top on the top of the show there, Killian, about monopoly, right? And they're mm. trying to come at this basically going, "There's a current monopoly that we want to break it." You know, bring football to the world. Well, if UEFA are out of the picture and the Super League is the new kind of don at the top of the table, that's just a new monopoly. So, like that whole argument for me is redundant from the get go. You know, very true. And I think yeah. one of the things is that specifically that I've found in the last like probably couple of months to sympathize with on in relation to the Premier League, Champions League, FIFA, is they're basically all the same thing. They're all money hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, not only did the Premier League do something similar that the Super League's doing, it's like they're all the same entity really competing for the same space. It's just the Super League's the new one, you know what I mean? So I think we've seen it before in in relation to the Premier League coming in, but now we're just seeing it in the European space. So 
I think that's the interesting part. It, it is very interesting because that is one of the kind of the people that are pro the Super League are kind of saying is that this could be a way of leveling out the European playing field. That it would give the likes of teams in Italy a chance to um, compete with some of the Premier League ones. When like you have one of Roma's better players, Zanolio, um being linked with, was it Sheffield last year or somebody like that when there were relegation battles? Someone like that, yeah. Um, like, that was a, a a Roma team that was being led by Jose Mourinho. Like, this is not an equal playing field um, where a lower mid-table or even relegation-threatened Premier League team can financially compete with AC Milan or Atletico Madrid or any of these kind of massive, historically um, reverent teams. Um, so it may be seen as a way of leveling things out, but there hasn't been a buy-in from teams yet. Yeah, I think one of the interesting things that you said there is leveling the playing field out. Now, this is more of a question to you two. It's, do you see football... Would you like to see football transition to the point where the the playing field was leveled out? Or do you like how it is where it is, you know, you've got your financial powerhouses, stuff like that? When you say leveling it, do you mean that could be talking like, re- sa- revenue, like revenue. salary cap situation? like? Yeah, if that's the way they do it or pumping more money into the league, one or the other. I just think like it's I think I probably have a different opinion to say Killian Wood on leveling out the playing field. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think like Killian. Actually, you take this one away. You, I think you a unique one on this one. Yeah, I, I'd be very much for leveling the uh, the playing field. Um, one because I think f- for the everyday person, football has now become a a celebrity supermodel kind of um interest. It's more keeping up with Kardashians than it is gum- uh, jumpers for goalposts. Uh, now it is that kids are kind of growing up wanting to be. Uh, Jesse Lingard with his brand rather than uh, a Michael Carrick ticking over in the middle middle of uh, midfield. Um, I think we should only look at where football is not only doing well, but uh, one could argue growing, and that's Germany with their 50 plus one rule. Yeah, you have the powerhouse of Bayern, which should be kind of leveled out. But if you look across the league, you're having like really really high attendances you're having a really strong level from all uh, the teams and then you're having fallen giants like um hamburg and uh, uh, uh frankfurt and uh, all these teams that we would grow up remembering falling down a division or two because this can happen um in real football because it's about the competitiveness not about the financial power and yes as i said Bayern is the outlier in that but they still have lost out to the likes of Dortmund or you see Leipzig pushing for it, which Leipzig, yeah, they're kind of skirting around the rules, but they're doing it in the right way. They're not doing a a Chelsea of spending hundreds and hundreds of millions to move backwards. Like, I think football is at its heart, um, was meant to be the poor person's game. It was one that, that's like Ronaldinho on the streets that of Brazil. The, that's that's the key bit for me. Like the, Ronaldinho on the streets of Brazil, putting balls of socks together or pit, uh, plastic bags and being able to kick that around. 
that's what football's about. It's meant to be the great equaliser. We all kind of laughed or didn't like when Oscar went to China, but he went and admitted that he did it so that his family and his family's family and his cousins and all of his neighbours could be brought out of poverty. That is now becoming harder and harder to achieve when it's more about the brand than it is the skill. But is is the is the beauty of football, say, when you go to a Ronaldinho or whatever, is it him going to, say, same playing in, in Brazil? Or is it him going to, say, AC Milan, Barcelona and playing with these great players that are around him? You know what I mean? I think one thing that I'm probably critical about, say, in the... Not, not to take it off topic, but the MLS and their um franchise model is, I do think it strips back a lot of things in football that create a good story. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, there's no rivalries out there. Like, yeah. you know, ge- geographically, there's also the draft system is, or they have a version of it that's also not the ideal way to do it. But on that point of, of you know, is it in AC Milan or is it Brazil? Like, I'm all up for the globalization of football, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's a separate issue in part to what we're talking about here. Like, I think the game can still be for the working class and, you know, as opposed for the elite, but touch every corner of the globe. But where I think the Super League will shift the whole kind of paradigm of globalization is, you know, Arsenal playing in London, having fans in Singapore. That's their goal. Perfect. Love to see it. Where it becomes an issue is, is with this Super League, say Arsenal are playing Paris Saint-Germain in, I don't know, LA on a Wednesday. And then they're coming back to play Brighton on a Saturday. So there's player welfare issues straight off the bat there. There's, uh, you know, living in London, not being able to see your team is that are from London is mental. And then I think the third point of that is all that's going to happen there is due to the travel and due to the, let's face it, they're going to prioritize the Super League over the Premier League. And then it's going to come to two teams. So there'll be an A and a B team. And then the B team is just going to be made up of extra players from, let's call them worse teams. And when I say that, I mean, for example, Brighton, an unbelievable team. But the best players in Brighton are going to be tapped by United to play for their B team. So it's just going to destroy domestic leagues for me. I, I agree. And I think one of the things that we will see is that's only going to drive more money being spent in the game. So I think it's a catch-22 that when you do go and globalise it, more money will pour into the game. But it's just where does that go and from, from the... The, the sounds of it's only going to go to 64 teams in, in the world, you know what I mean? So, but, and, and that, that, I don't know if you guys kind of dug into the, like, everyone's kind of, I suppose, looking at the, first of all, the names for the three leagues are absolutely dire, but like, absolutely, completely dribble. But the one that intrigued me the most was the third division. So it's made up of, I think it was like, what was it, like 30 teams or something, but each season, 20 of them swap out. So it's depending on their performance in their own domestic leagues. So it's like, to me, that is interesting in one regard that that would probably be the most interesting league because, you know, it's taking in current performance. But then at the same time, if you're, I don't know why I keep saying Brighton, it's where I support them. But like if you're Brighton (laughs) and you go next year, we're in the Super League 
We don't know the year after that or the year after that. How do they plan financially? How do they leverage sponsors? How do they get the money in just to keep the club running at the level it is without certainty for stakeholder sponsors, you name it. So it's kind of like, to me, the current version of the Super League, albeit better than their original version because they got pushed into a corner. Let's face it, they don't want this version. But Mm. it's better in its, its makeup, but it still seems like a league that was written out in a napkin in the corner of a pub at a Christmas party, you know? And, like, one of the things that I don't like about it, and, again, this may be the old-school romantic in me, is that it is going to commodify these Champions League nights and these kind of, oftentimes, David versus Goliath, where you have the, not necessarily even a small team versus a big team, but the novelty of getting to maybe see a game between Ajax and Barcelona, the Johan Cruyff derby, for the first time in 10 years. Like, that's just not going to be a thing when you have 14 European games. You're going to see that one twice. You're going to see that one twice. Sure, it could be United Valencia twice this year. I'm sure that could be the same again next year. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, it'll be Barcelona and Real Madrid. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Sure. You're going to have six of them a year. Like, it's just going to end up watering down the product yeah, of football. I agree. And also, lads, as much as I love my club, you're not catching me flying to LA to watch them play art. This is what I mean. Like, <laughs> you know I mean, like, like, you're the biggest fan of, uh, like, United fan. Or out of the three of us, look, Jesus, we all love our clubs dearly, but I don't know anyone who loves their club more than you. And, like, I just think it's, regardless of, whether you are a multi-billionaire and can fly there on a private jet every weekend, if you're every Wednesday, if you want to do it, it, it just, it seems wrong. It just seems morally yeah. wrong to the, and like, it isn't even from a football purist point of view. I just have to go back to that kind of, okay, if you're Arsenal, you're playing PSG and it's the Champions League and there's going to be one game in London, one in Paris, you're like, oh, grand. But if your game could be in, I don't know, LA and then your next one's in, Guadalajara you're like uh what are we doing here you know what I mean it's like it's and then even if you're in those countries like say if you're in LA you're not going to become an Arsenal fan because you'll probably see one game that Arsenal play in LA for that year so it just becomes yeah like baseball like and I think that's that's touching on a great is like it the more I think about it, it does seem like the middle ground to franchising in a way um as like we see the NFL We'll probably see the NBA in in the near future go to these European cities yeah. now, and it, it does seem like they're trying to clutch on the the, the extra fans around the world. Where football is such a global sport, anyway, does it even need to to reach out to new fans currently? I I don't know. Well, it's the I biggest, think it it's the biggest thing in the world, you know. But one of the things that. I'm one reason why I'm glad this version of Super League is coming out is because I think this is going to give the, both the Champions League, the Premier League, a shot in the arm because they are at risk of losing generations of fans because they're making it so inaccessible to watch. Um, like it's not like the the '90s where you could go on the Channel Four and watch a uh, Serie A highlights, uh, albeit, but at least you could see it and you could get to hear about the fantastic players. The Premier League is now what, uh, what nine hundred euro or grand a year if you want to watch every one of the games yeah, across three different kind of streaming streaming platforms now. Because we always pay for streaming services, I just would like to get there. We absolutely yeah. never watch anything anywhere else. 
Um, <laughs> Never. Well, no, it's I just think not an option. Hit, I, I think you hit it like right in the head. Like the amount of families, like not only around Ireland but also like the UK and, and a lot of other countries, that just simply can't afford to keep up with football. Um, and I don't think that should ever be be an issue for people to follow their team. Mm. Um, now, the that that's an interesting fact that you just popped into my head because that does make the Super League come across as a lot more of a an interesting prospect is because they are offering yeah. free to view games. It's like they're giving. I, the didn't, I didn't know that. On what though? Who? Mm. What platform? I think it was. They haven't re- revealed I, yeah. that yet. I'm sure they made their own platform. Um, I I think that was either the it was either the assumption that it was going to be their own one or they'd go in on a, a deal with either you can imagine like an Apple or yeah. a DAZN or something or like that or YouTube or something like yeah. that like, yeah great shout um, but I I yeah for, like and I think that's its own separate issue that we could probably get into in another podcast is just how inaccessible football is because that's an that's an absolute banger yeah we have to dig into that because, one like. People, people need to be watching their teams because, like, not only is it like a day to day for people, it's part of their lives. Like, and uh, but yeah, I I do think like the Super League, it, they need to come out with a big presentation again that isn't like we're we're like stopping football like they did the first time where yeah, yeah. the world went into meltdown. For but I I don't think they can recover from that. I think they could literally yeah. come out. I think they could come out with the absolute like perfect league that fans would agree with but because of what happened the first time nobody will trust them see i i disagree personally because i think uefa have thrown it back in their court with the new mm-hmm. champions league yeah i think uefa have gone oh we don't want to do the super league because or we don't like the super league because they don't have the players intentions blah 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 and then they come out with their own version of it it's like lads you, like if you're gonna act like you're you're all sincere and stuff, at least put the act on for a couple of years, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, not just two. So I do think like um it I think the ball is back in the super leagues um because there's there's not that uproar anymore. Um but yeah, it was I'll never forget that time where it was like three days the world just shut down. Gary Neville lost his mind. Oh my god, the passionate Gary Neville talks in Sky Sports like <laughs> Oh mate, that that's generally like one of the wildest times I think ever. Like, is that three days for a football fan? I've got a I've got a question that has been kind of on my mind since we were chatting about doing this as the episode. What would you think if the Super League was like a World Cup type situation where it only happened every couple of years? Because then I think it's viable. You mean the Club World Cup? That kind of situation. Like is in it like if say this Super League happened every I don't know two years three years, so it's not going to impact every year and destroy the game we know. Logistically, obviously, it would cause problems, and you'd have to probably do a winter break and all of that. But I think if it wasn't an annual thing, it's more palatable. See, that sounds interesting because lads, I'm going to be honest, and I might get called out for this, and fair enough if I do. Well. <laughs> The Club World Cup is the most pointless competition on the planet. Mm. I didn't even know it was going on the other week. Like I genuinely that, that did, final was muck like. I genuinely did not even know that, that that tournament was like and it's like then we're maybe playing ball where they go into that that area, but like call me out if you want, lads, but like But like say, 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 say this say this I totally agree with you, man. It's 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 a vanity trophy for most teams. But I think if 
if you took out all those like bullshit preseason tournaments like the Audi Cup and all these kind of things and brought the Super League in in a that kind of a way I think there's room for it all the clubs want here is to make money and pay the like ideally if you're Perez you want to play the least amount of games and maximize the amount of money if this thing was every couple of years it's more interesting and it's because it's it's less often and they could make their money and go, go into the sun I, I do think a league like the Super League needs the prime time slot. You know Fair. what I mean? Um, what are you saying, Killian? To generate the money. I think it's a moot point because you don't come back from calling both UEFA and FIFA a cartel. The Euro- Despite the fact that the European Court of Justice has agreed with them, and I think that's going to leave are. a lot of questions in people's mind. But there's not. this isn't going to be like a live golf where they're going to end up coming together. I think this is just going to... Oh, that's never going to happen. What happens you know. if the Saudis get involved in the Super League? Does that add any well, more like, pulling power to it? Well, this is the really, really interesting thing. So it was on Sky, Sky Sports that uh, one of their journalists was in Jeddah when the, uh, the, the uh, ruling came through, and he was asking at the time, and what the, he heard was, no, we're more interested in making our league better which if you look at the jordan henderson thing happening now that would kind of put a, a question mark in your head but then the sky sports journalist had a very 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 interesting point um which was where's gonna where's the world cup gonna be who would not want to risk the political power they now have over fifa oh, that that's a very good point i didn't even think of that no yet. i didn't either but what's worth more will do Arabia? nothing the World Cup or possibly owning a prime competition in the sport. Like like I know live golf and that that's a totally different subject, but the the amount of leverage they've gained in that sport by even Oh, getting, they own golf now, like Well yeah, they, like you know it's like do you, do you compromise a World Cup just to just to look, get that well, much leverage in the sport? Look, like, look what's on the table for, for Saudi. It's either a risk of this Super League may be happening, but you have to put your cards on the table before you have a result. Or a tournament that has a hundred years of history and sponsorship deals signed decades in advance. And remember that MBS's whole tenure as Prince or whatever is was hinged on this 2030 bid. So mm. if that politically or an optically within the kingdom if his 2030 plan fell and they didn't get the super league i can't imagine there'd be much friendly people knocking around this well, palace see lads i think if the saudis got involved with the super league 100 percent goes through and that's just i that's think just, it, I, I think it you know? does but i think if they really wanted it they'd lose the world cup they'd have to gamble everything they would probably get it because of the amount Ooh. of money available to them but i think the thing that for me is even if they did it Say they pulled it off, and as of in four years' time, the Super League's going to start. I don't think that thing lasts more than ten years. Why would Why would they lose the World Cup? Like, do we like? Is that even a like? Can FIFA even do that one? Well, with, 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 with this ruling, probably not. But with with well, FIFA and UEFA yeah. being so in bed together, you'd imagine that oh, I, I, there would be united front. See. This is one of the things was that one of the reasons why the case was brought up was because both FIFA and UEFA threatened to expel any teams or players that was seen to be involved with the Super League. But 
there's another thing that needs to be considered in all of this, which is that the UK courts and the UK government are pushing through legislation that's possibly going to come enacted by the end of, I think, next year. That would make it illegal for UK teams to join the likes of a uh, a Super League. That would t- sure, but surely that, uh, that can't happen well, on, now off the back of that. Well, you know? basically, what if, what the UK are trying to do is they're trying to lock the uh, clubs into the domestic league. So it's more fighting against the original version of the Super League than it is anything else. But it's a very, very strong statement of intent that you do this and you will have no supports ever from the government. And how many teams signed up for the furlough scheme? I don't think they're going to want to um, take a risk I, on I that. Mean, I, I mean, we're not a politics podcast, so I don't want to go too deep into this, but there are... <laughs> fairly direct ties between the kingdom and the uk you know what i mean um, Very direct. <laughs> so i don't see them i don't see them riding that line too well, hard i think it's more optics than anything yeah but like if, I, if you look at it in that kind of way i think that perfectly works together where the saudi won't ever touch it but that's not to say a separate oil nation doesn't maybe like a qatar or a bahrain yeah. or no i don't think it's it's some, anywhere near. well qatar but, couldn't buy united so they're not doing a super league but, the, the head of UEFA clubs is is like a huge figure in guitar. So I, I like they're already in bed with UEFA. Let's just say that they've well, they've banked well, on it. Yeah. In, yeah. Fairness, in fairness, the previous head of UEFA was also a very big figure, and he ended up leaving for the Super League. So yeah, Agnelli yeah. from uh, Juventus. So never say yeah. never. <laughs> from a Premier like, League point think of view, he... though, from a Premier League point of view, who's have the top six all said no at this point, or? I mean, they've, they have no, either explicitly but, said no or their actions have said no. But, like, I wouldn't trust them as far as I could throw them. You know That's what I mean? where I'm like, getting with this, yeah. Like, you know, they only folded the first time due to fan pressure, and that's it. Like, I, I think our, one of the things that stands out to me is remember when I think it was a Chelsea game and they couldn't even get the bus through because there was that many fans. Mm-hmm. Oh, and check it to get off the bus. Yeah, remember and that, they yeah. pulled it at that moment. It's like the only reason they even pulled it was due to fans. Like, and. Yeah, I, I don't trust that as far as I throw. Like, I think the Glazers would be in it in two seconds. They'd be in it in two seconds. And I think, you know, any of these clubs that... I, I know I've seen some statements. I'm not too sure uh, exactly who out of the top six. But, like, you cannot tell me that there hasn't been some white paper across the desk of every CFO in the Premier League. Well, and, ex- you know. Liverpool and United were two of the front runners in, in thinking up the Super League. Like... The Glazers and and the uh, FSG were the ones at the forefront. Like this is public knowledge. So do you, you know, like as much as they say, "Oh, we're not going near it." It's like you drafted it up the first time. Yeah, like, you were pretty. You were pretty in the deep end on it in the it, early it, days. It, yeah. Well, this was their idea. Like, this there's another thing idea. to consider though. Is is the Glazers aren't in football control anymore, so they may not be up to them. Yeah, FSG are trying to sell. FSG are trying to sell Liverpool, so they're not going to risk. Um, the the share price of selling Liverpool. Um, like I, I, I let's go back to uh, United in, in a second there, Nate. Like uh, I don't think City City might if uh, UEFA try to push the uh, 115 charges, they might flirt with it. Ooh, Todd Bowley, I think, could go because he just seems like he, I think he's kind of nearly half banking on that to again get around FFP. I think Arsenal maybe wouldn't. I don't think Daniel Levy would either. So 
if the other ones were a little bit more willing, you might see the likes of a Liverpool or United come forward. But I think Jim Ratcliffe, he's been going so far in on the I'm a United fan, it's United for United reasons. I don't think he would have gone into the stakes that he has if that was even a possibility. Of places would, his, would his football control, like, this is it, the thing yeah. I'm curious on with Nate, like, uh, and you might know this too, Killian, is that business, is that a business control situation yeah. or a football mm. control situation? Because if it's if it's business, that's the Glazers making that pick. See, Jim spent all this money, but that decision isn't his. That yeah. decision, like, he picks the manager, but he doesn't pick where they go. That's I think early down to the glazes that decision. Um, but I think you're wrong, Kevin, and I think you raise a good point there. You know, but it's football operations. So I think, I think it's business oh operations. This is a business call. Yeah, this isn't a football call. This is a business call. Um, a hundred percent. Um, and also, I do think but, if you saw United and Liverpool commit to the Super League, you'd also get others jumping at and trying not to get left behind. hundred percent. It takes. It takes. It. It doesn't. They need more than one. Like if City were like, uh, like that was a very good point, Killian, on the charges. They may flirt with it to try and get rid of them. I didn't even think of that. That's absolute shithousery at its finest. But it's say if City did it on their own, people would just go, well, they were like PSG anyway. Yeah. You know, I think it, it would take uh, more, I think it, yeah. a more cold, or what's the word for it, a more kind of ingrained club in the UK like if a Liverpool did it that have such history with the European Cup like Man United Busby Babes connection to that like they are the European Cup if one of them did it I think a lot of people would start falling in line I you might call me biased but I genuinely think the only two clubs that could get other clubs to jump are United and Liverpool I agree and, and to go back to to what I don't think. City I think City would turn people off it. I really. Yeah, I think. I think they'd be happy to see the back of City. I think yeah. they would want to stay more with the Premier League. Mm. Like I genuinely do. Um, but go back on what FSG. I think them moving to a Super League increases their share value. They're they well, they're more global straight off the bat. You know, even and, though and they're, they're Liverpool football club, which are a massive global brand. They you, not even to put percentages on it, but like you're going up. 2x you know and they're also guaranteed a certain amount of revenue per year so like but that that the, all adds to the, the share value but the players making the deals to go with liverpool aren't guaranteed to play for their national teams which instantly makes their imaging rights much lessened so do is there going to be the same value of a club if you can't have mo salah because salah doesn't want to be Think of, it, think, of it, think of it this way, though, right? Think yeah, of it this way. That if, 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 say, FIFA pull that line and say, mm. okay, Mo, Liverpool are now in the Super League, Mo Salah can't go to the World Cup, or insert Kylian Mbappe, mm -hmm. then World Cup sponsorship is going to dramatically decrease. So it's going to get to a point akin to a live golf situation where, oh, you're not allowed to be in the Ryder Cup team. And then after about 18 months, uh, we'll let you back in because we need you, because we need the sponsorship money. I don't, you even, being there. I don't even think it's an 18-month thing. I genuinely think it's an empty threat. Like, yeah. These contracts are already signed with the clubs, number one. I think if the clubs move, other clubs will jump, which will just create a tide effect that you see more and more leaving. And then the World Cup are stuck. Do we want bleeding? Ryan Fraser, like, lying This out. is what I mean, like, Chris, you know what, what I mean? front, like, like, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, then your World Cup is pointless. Like, yeah. 
And that's it, where I think the power is. I, like, I genuinely don't think FIFA and UEFA have as much power as we think they do. I, I genuinely don't. And I think we could actually see the Super League go through in a matter of days if 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 clubs did pivot towards that. Well, I, like it, like I said, like it just see the thing is right. Say if you're Liverpool and you take that stab, like we're saying, I do think people fall in behind you, but if unless they fall in automatically, like I mean, when you announce as Liverpool we're in, and then thirty seconds later four clubs are with you. If you're waiting a couple of days, owners are like there'd be anarchy. Like you, you, you know, you'd have to really almost have to do a bear hug on on the situation. This this is how I imagine it happening is say United and Liverpool, they have a chat behind the scenes, they go, All right, we're going Super League, we're gonna do this. Okay, they go one day, then you've got Todd, he's like, I'm in for the ride, I'm jumping as well. He goes, and then you've got Arsenal, Spurs and City, they're holding hands and they're like what do we do? Do we like? Do you know what I mean? Do we go all the other big powerhouses, or we do? Do we stay with the other teams? And I think the only team that I could see saying would be City. Like yeah. I think, I think Spurs would be gone in a heartbeat, more money, and then Arsenal. I I really don't see them staying. I'm interested to hear your point, Killian. See, I think regardless of whether you believe them or not, I think we have to take the clubs at face value as it stands, that they're not going anywhere. And for the Super League, we should be now looking at what space is left for them, which I think there's one or of two options, which, oh, for the football manager purist in me, it, it would be so much fun because it would be making new teams or going for smaller teams like if they can't get city do they try and go right we just need a london team so do we have a london fc or do we just say to crystal palace hey but who plays for them well see this is the thing i was going to say is do they do centralized contracts and go listen messi we're going to give you 100 million per year you go as a league and do it in doing an mls kind of thing where the league buys you not Mm. the club and or do they, as I say, create new teams where they end up having uh, football Munichen and uh, Barcelona because Barcelona want to want to still be there and Real Madrid still want to be there. But if if they can't get a Milan, well then do they make a Milan? Do Manchester they make a Roma? <laughs> and, 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 like, do, do they go full uh, pro evil and yeah. just circ- well, circumvent? I do think if they went that way, it'd have to be Saudi backed. Like, I generally no, that, that you're completely right with that. Like, because that goes back to like, do you remember the Saudi league where like paying third division players like ten grand a month to come over? Yeah. And, like that. The only thing is with that is like, uh, if this league has any chance of longevity, it can't be thirty four year old Messi's. And like, don't get me wrong, he's the greatest player to ever grace of you know a pitch. But like, you need the 22, 23, 24 best people in the world. You need the Jude Bellinghams, the Mbappes, the Viniciuses. You know, you like without that, it's it's redundant to me. You know, but you're know. forgetting one point that I'm trying to hint at, which is it doesn't have to be Saudi. It just needs to be a rich government backed entity. I, oh. That who though? Who though? Because because because. Like, like America that. don't America won't don't have the cash to do it. China politically can't do it. Russia can't do it. Any of the Why stands can't, can't 
I mean, okay, they could. I mean, I don't think it would be to bring in influence into the West because they they're part of BRICS along with Saudi, and if Saudi can do deals with the West while still being able to somewhat align themselves with um, Russia, well then. China are going to try and do the same because don't Post forget the they don't league, though. But like with the Chinese league yeah. falling apart, do you think they really want think, to gamble I, again? I think, I, I think that's why they do it because this nah, is a much softer power. Oh, I don't know, man. After like they really embarrassed themselves with that Chinese league. Like, what does China get out of it though? Like, that's what it, I'm trying to think as well. I'm, I'm trying like, to get my head around it. I can understand the Chinese league because it's inwards and like the population be engaging with it and all that, but. That's what promoting they, China to the world, yeah. Yeah, what did they get like for an outwards league? I don't. I think it would be a well, lot more aligned that, with, with the Saudi United but, and Arsenal in in Miami. You will then have it in Beijing. Yeah, but I just like, don't see that one. I just don't. I think if I really think I, I don't, I don't think it know, has to be China. But I think I think we're we're getting bogged down in the details of Saudi. Like Saudi isn't the only government that wants. Western influence. But they're the only one with the, 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 the. Yes, there's lots of countries that have bajillions in offshore accounts, but maybe it's UAE, the, isn't it? But this is what I mean. Like maybe it's just a good PR job that Saudi have been doing. But it seems like Saudi having showcased how much of kind of I suppose assassins they can be pardon the pun wrong term with Khashoggi apologies um savvy businessmen should I say, uh, savvy businessmen should I say off the back of the live thing they're the only ones that I think anyone if, if Saudi come in and want to take over a sport they've basically taken over boxing they've taken over golf they're looking at tennis you know I I just I think they've shown their cards when it comes to football what do you yeah. think Nate? I disagree and I think the reason why we are right even to get bogged down on Saudi Arabia is because they've shown us the blueprint. They, they're they the ones that masterminded this in other sports. And I think, and, and let, let's be real, they've gone after F1 as well. They've gone after other sports. Mm-hmm. But I do, in my head, I part of me thinks that to take direction from the Saudi League, which we can talk about how that's going and whatever, is I think that's them like showing their cards a bit in like, is this the way that they're kicking it off slowly but surely? And I, 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 I think you've made a really good point in the fact of bringing up F1 because I think what they did in F1 is exactly what they're going to continue to do with football, which is cozy up. What did they do, what did they do in F1? Basically, they, they, just, they came around. Well, not only that, but they also tried to buy the sport. They came around, they, they, they made a bid that was massively overpriced. Mm-hmm. Now, and they didn't get it, no? No, they didn't get it. They turned it down because um, I don't know whether it was political or they just didn't want to sell it because it has, in my opinion, F1 has more market and reach to still go. Um, but mm-hmm. I think they've shown a blueprint that with the Saudi League and how it's going is, is this their way pivoting into soccer or into football now and going towards... like? Let's buy these players, and we already have some on side that will go to the Super League. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But then, like, wait, do, does their I, does I, their I, credit does their do they have the credit in the bank off the back of like Benzema is looking to leave on loan? Hendo is already got his contract terminated to get out of there. Like, are the Jenga pieces falling? 
But do we want to have a quick chat about Saudi and see can we link it up with where we are now? Because I personally think that in my head, I don't understand how the Saudi League could ever become a thing. And that's why I'm suspicious about the actual motive of it. Um, You think it's a backdoor into this? I, I, I personally do the more I think about it but the more I, you're saying it it's, I, I'm kind of seeing the jigsaw pieces I, coming together like, I'm on happy it. to be proven wrong like I don't in my head I don't understand how the Saudi league will work and I don't understand how they thought it ever would work so in, if they're doing what they're, you're saying they're doing though that's absolute 4D chess like I, I, I think what, what do you think Gideon in regards to Saudi league I I, I never credit malice where incompetency is involved. Like just looking here at the Saudi vision of 2030, the motto of it is Saudi Arabia, the heart of the Arab and Islamic worlds, the investment powerhouse and the hub connecting three continents. I don't think the Super League fits into that. I think they will, they're going to power ahead with their own league. I think they're going to encourage more buying of clubs like they did with Newcastle. I think they're too deep into the well of FIFA and UEFA to try and screw things up now. Not forgetting the political influence both of those hold in their respective uh, arenas. Like, Sepp Blatter did a whole lot of damage and I think for Saudi, for MBS if they could be part of the image of cleaning FIFA, that is a much safer gamble. And I yeah. think the only reason why Live Golf happened was they knew uh, the PGA wouldn't deal with them. The reason why they changed tact from trying to buy F1 into buying soft power in them is because they knew they weren't going to get the deal. I think if they were to go into the Super League, it's going to put everything else at risk that they've done with football and they would end up further back than they were before they ever made the plan one one thing we're forgetting to mention here as well boys is isn't there a possibility of saudi teams getting champions league wild cards wasn't that the, wasn't that yes. on the table because that goes away in, in, you know and that's a safer bet for them way less effort way less financial well, commitment they won't care if that goes away because the champions league won't be the same yeah, um, it's just you know, in terms have, of like it, it's the safest to, uh, bet. From what I've done and the reading I've done, and it goes back to what you were saying, Killian, is Saudi really want Saudi Arabia to become a hub? Yeah, where <laughs> of what though? Like, or like a hub of like technology, everything. like basically, basically what Dubai is now, basically. Right. Um, that that's what I've read. I think they like, want to go further. I think they want it to be like London. I think yeah. they want people to think if you want to make it, you go to Saudi. Yeah, but is that not the best way to entice people is to connect it with the biggest sport on the planet is you not only run the league, but it's like a gateway into Saudi, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, we will have Manchester United versus Arsenal in Saudi Arabia, you know what I mean? Do you wait then, play the long game here, let all the bad press around A22's version of the uh, Super League fall away? have the 2030 World Cup and post 2030 World Cup, if it's been a good one that people are like, holy God, that was a great tournament. Then do you make a push for the Super League? Because then you've nothing to lose. 
Possibly. I just don't think the Super or, League will be around that long. Or do you just wait for the Super League to fall apart? That, that, that's what I'm saying. Wait for it to fall apart and make a new one post-2030. No, or no, they I think... Super or do they just wait for it to fall apart and do they move on and take ownership of UEFA? Do they just get the soft power and basically take control of UEFA? They've practically done, done it anyway. Was the Spanish Super Cup not held in Yeah, it was. Atletico versus... It was the Madrid Derby, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Atletico aren't involved in the Super League. So they have La Liga on side. So why would they risk that when they could have that every year? Or Wait. maybe not every year, but they've they've built and spent all this time and money building up these relationships. I think they've been too clever to this point to throw it away on Florentino Perez's fucking fever dream. What age is he now, by the way? Like, how long is he going to be around? No joke, like. Hey, if there's someone uh, I trust to to get a league off the ground, it would be Perez. I think he's a very smart man. <laughs> I, I I genuinely do. Um, but just if do we want to quickly touch on the Saudi league? Because I'd love someone to explain to me what the plan for it is, and I know we're seeing it unravel now. But to go back to what uh, Kitty and early earlier said is, I don't know if in my head I can see the Saudis be so complacent. Hmm. Yeah, I I think this Saudi league is actually following the MLS blueprint because the MLS, when it was brought back in the late nineties, was a shit show. Um, like other than who, Claude, Cla- Carlos Vla- uh, Vladarama, the Colombian dude with the big hair, who did they really have? Joe Cannon, the goalkeeper, and they did um, the penalties from the halfway line or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it, it was, uh, it, it was a bit of a, a of a joke. But then the mid two thousands came, and there was there was the rebrand, and you had teams come in and out and fall out. With the last one properly being Shivas USA, which was um, a an extension of Shivas Guadalajara, and then they went and brought Beckham in, made the Beckham rule. Got the benefit of getting these older players in, cough, cough, Firmino, cough, cough, Ronaldo. And then they said, right, we're going to invest in infrastructure, invest in fan experiences, cough, cough, Saudi Saudi Vision 2030 with their new visas. Then they did an investment in a Adidas development program where the likes of Josie Altidore came through, who maybe a joke on Wearside, but uh, has 130 caps for America. Does um, he? Yeah, he's he's up there anyway. Jesus. Um, he, yeah, he had a very, very, very good um, career. And again, like at one stage, he was the, uh, high, uh, the most expensive American player of all time when he went from uh, New York New York Metro Stars, so just before uh, Red Bull, uh, to Villarreal. And then he um, kind of bounced around and was briefly at loan at Hull. Um, but they, the MLS went in this same kind of a model where you're going to see the likes of clubs like El Atifak make mistakes, fall, possibly even fall away, but they have the money so it doesn't really matter. I think they're going to, like you, the MLS has done now, is they've... MLS has moved away from technically franchises. They're very much going for locales rather than get this team and move them around. They're trying to build up these community things. I think it'll take Saudi a few years, but they will 
make their bases. Like I'm just having a look at their. I think um, though, like in the MLS oh, vein, though, like with say New York Cosmos team fell away, but the players still remained in the league. But I think where this is different is, Cosmos yeah, you were can, never in the MLS. Well, oh, sorry, they were second division. Yeah, the they, they were in the, uh, the NASL back yeah. in like, the seventies, and then they were brought back in the under division, which isn't yeah, owned but, by the MLS. But, but even with that, like, say the team can fall away, but where and you can lose a Henderson, and I think optically it's short term, not great for them. But like, if guys like Benzema fall away, Ronaldo fall away, then they're in trouble. But lads, this version of this, this version of say that he's gone in two or three years. Like they're not going to have any of these players in two or three years. Yeah. So, so who are they? Yeah, see, I, I don't think that's going to be a problem. I don't think that's going to be a problem. He, like, he, New York he, Red Bulls survived after um, Henri left. But, but LA Galaxy but, continue to exist without Beckham. But that doesn't scream Saudi Arabia to me. It's like they they don't. In my opinion, the the last thing they'd want is a league like America, where it's these clubs that have mediocre players. Yeah, they want big stars. Yeah. It's like. They want, like, they want all the eyes on them. They want to see what they're doing. Like, no, no one cares in five years if we're watching, I don't know, Chris Wood playing for Al Nasser. You know, it's. See, but this what I'm saying is, just I think they they see MLS as a blueprint. I think because they're trying to do something that's never been done. I think you look at kind of the most recent breakout league, the MLS, and kind of go, okay, well, we saw what they did. I struggle Let's... to call the MLS a breakout league. I really do, um, and and that's Don't that say might that be to sh- the that, <laughs> that might be short sighted for me, but like, I I just don't see like if that's Saudi Arabia's blueprint, it's like Jesus, they've got it horribly wrong. Going so, back though, going back to a twenty two, right? Say Saudi just have nothing to do with with this Super League. Mm. Do we think the current a twenty two can even get off the ground in the next? Five years, yes. No, I I don't know. I'm so sitting on the fence in this one because I came into this absolutely against it, and now you've bamboozled me around to this way of possibility with it. But I think if if it was really gun to head and you you know bullet goes off if you lie, I think probably no. But two clubs change this all. It does. That's the thing. I. As I said at the start of the show, and we're probably approaching the end, is I've come to the conclusion, probably throughout the show, is that um, I do think it's on a knife edge that if two clubs go, it happens. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that in the next year or so. Um, just just because I'm not surprised that we saw it in, in the first place. Um, so I... I do think it could happen. Like I genuinely think it's a it's a real possibility. I don't know what what your your thoughts are, guys. I think that if Juventus, Barcelona, Real Madrid aren't enough to make you jump, you're not going to jump. I think it's going to fizzle out. But what it's going to do along the way, it's going to break the leg of football just enough to make either the fans or the organizers of football reconsider some of the things that they're doing to try and stop a Super League happening again, but by addressing the uh, some of the issues like what we said with the accessibility and the spreading out of wealth, I think it's going to be ultimately a good thing that this has happened, but the Super League will be its own victim. Ideally, firstly, just on that vein, yeah, I think Nate's right. I think if, if Liverpool and United decide to play ball, it's game on. I still don't know if it happens, but 
kind of what I am taking out of all of this conversation, and I'd, I'd imagine you guys would agree with me in some respect in this. I do hope this shakes UEFA to its core to change the game for the better. In in whatever format they go for going forward with this extended Champions League or whatever way they do it, but there's got to be a better way of doing it, you know. So, will the Super League be better for fans, or will it be a new global takeover, or will it be just a faint memory in a few years' time? Let us know what you think. We'll be eagerly keeping an eye on this over the next few weeks, months, who knows, maybe even years. I've been Killian Gennady. This has been the Not Upon the Podcast. I've been delighted to have been joined by Connor Glennon and Nathan Byrne. Thank you very much, lads. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll chat to you next week for a very special episode. Stay tuned. Bye-bye. Podcast. Back of the net.